Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, July 30th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, state leaders reckon with a rising COVID-19 case count. Then Mississippi sales tax holiday weekend kicks off and a look back on the life of civil rights icon Bob Moses. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi's COVID-19 case count continues to climb. Yesterday, the state reported over 1,900 new infections and more than 100 active outbreaks in long-term care facilities. The virus spike is set to test the state's hospital system, which is already stretched thin. Dr. Alan Jones is Associate Vice Chancellor for Clinical Affairs at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Our ICUs are full and have been full for quite some time. We try to move patients out of the ICU as soon as we can when they don't need it. We do end up having to have ICU patients boarded in certain areas like the ER or the post-anesthesia care unit until we get an open ICU bed. Dr. Dobbs instituted COVID systems of care, which will, which will share ICU-level patients among all the various hospitals that are participating. So that should hopefully slow down some of the transfer requests that we get. As of this morning, I believe we had 72 patients that were either confirmed positive or under investigation between our um, adult and pediatric hospital. A total of 12 children hospitalized. 
Case counts and hospitalizations amongst young people are spiking, just as Mississippi's kids are set to begin a new in-person school year. The CDC, along with Dr. Thomas Dobbs and the State Department of Health, says it's a good idea for vaccinated and unvaccinated people to wear masks in crowded indoor spaces like schools. But Governor Reeves says he has no plans to enforce that guidance. Tuesday's change in the CDC mask guidance is foolish and it is harmful. It reeks of political panic so as to appear they are in control. It has nothing, let me say that again, it has nothing to do with rational science in Mississippi. In Mississippi, we believe in freedom. That comment comes from Tate Reeves' speech at the Neshoba County Fair yesterday, in which the governor largely focused on education issues within the state. Reeves especially singled in on Mississippi's teachers, who he says demonstrated dedication and creativity in their pandemic response. Mississippi schools responded, and I believe that merit must be rewarded. That is why today I am calling for another pay raise for our teachers. They earned it in the pandemic, and they have proved that they are committed to moving our kids forward. Now, local media loves to tell you that we are last in teacher pay. Sometimes I think many in the local media just love to run Mississippi down. The fact is that claim is not accurate. Right now, Mississippi ranks 37th in teacher pay when adjusted for cost of living. That is not last. But it's also not good enough. Y'all, we can do better. So today, I am proposing an immediate $1,300 a year across the board teacher pay raise, followed by $1,000 per year in each of the next two fiscal years. If we are successful in getting this done, this additional $3,300 a year on top of the $1,000 we did this year, this pay raise will result in Mississippi going from 37th nationally to 21st and 4th in the Southeast United States. And it will help us attract the top tier educators that our children deserve. At the fairgrounds, Reeves also weighed in on Mississippi's COVID vaccine uptake, which is among the lowest of any state in the nation. Over the past few weeks, the governor has struck what he hopes is a measured tone on inoculations, trying to appease both vaccine advocates and anti-vaccine Mississippians. That's a tricky tightrope to walk. President Trump's Operation Warp Speed delivered that miracle vaccine. And we did it in record time. 1.2 million Mississippians have chosen to get vaccinated. Others have chosen a different path. And I will always defend those individuals' rights to decide what is best for them and their families. Medical experts say the three available COVID-19 vaccines are safe and effective. Also notable among speechmakers in Philadelphia was House Speaker Philip Gunn, who is rumored to be weighing a run at Tate Reeves' job in 2024. Yesterday, Gunn embraced a more combative style than the sitting governor, taking aim at the political left from his first moments on the stump. 
The more they've embraced socialism, the more poisonous their rhetoric has become and the more divided this country has become. Their politics seem to be based upon animosity towards this country and animosity towards each other. Their slogan seems to be charity toward none and malice for all. They continue to push an us versus them agenda which will destroy our country. Gunn also outlined his priorities for the 2022 legislative session. Those include the elimination of the state income tax, which Gunn has fashioned into a signature issue. What drew the most excitement from the crowd were the speaker's comments on how the history of race in America should be taught in state schools. Another socialist agenda item that's being pushed is critical race theory. This is an attempt to introduce racism into our schools. Ladies and gentlemen, every society, we know the history of every society that has embraced racism has failed. We know the devastating effects that that racism can have on society. We in Mississippi know firsthand how that can be, uh, what the devastating effects will be. And that's exactly why we must fight against this attempt to reintroduce racism back into our schools and undo all the progress that we've made. Ladies and gentlemen, we just can't take that chance. What we should do, what we should not do is allow our educational system to teach that one race is better than another. Those days in Mississippi are behind us, and such teachings have no place in our schools. That's why your Mississippi House of Representatives is poised to introduce legislation in the next session to prevent teaching of these ideas in our schools. Critical race theory is a school of thought that understands racism in America as systemic and structural. In his comments to reporters yesterday, Gunn acknowledged he was unaware of any specific instance of the theory being taught within Mississippi's public schools. Coming up, Mississippi's sales tax holiday jolts a retail economy at a crossroads. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Today and tomorrow, the state will not collect sales tax on most clothing, footwear, and common classroom supplies. There are plenty of restrictions. Any item over $100, for example, will still be taxed. So a kid who needs a laptop or a tablet for school won't be getting a bargain. Most sports equipment, along with accessories like watches and jewelry, also remain taxable. Suffice it to say that the sales tax holiday is not necessarily a vehicle for extraordinary consumer savings. It's more of a nice little perk, especially for parents looking to stock up for the new school year. For retailers, though, the tax holiday is a big deal, a huge deal. Here's Shanna Head, who's marketing director for Outlets of Mississippi. These two days are the busiest two shopping days of the year for us. These are this is bigger than uh, Black Friday shopping. So, uh, besides you know just getting that early like holiday shopping that people like to get up early and do, you're you're paying no taxes. So you're saving money. You're going to get more bang for your buck this way. 
Over the past year and a half, pandemic-related shutdowns, massive layoffs, and jumbo stimulus bills have ping-ponged Mississippi's retail economy in weird and conflicting directions. Right now, though, Shanna Head says optimism prevails. We are actually anticipating the busiest tax-free weekend this year that we've had in the existence uh, of the mall opening. We are anticipating a a big crowd, lots of people that want to save money. So it would not surprise me if this is the busiest year we've had yet. When um, quarantine happened back in 2020 and all the businesses shut down and the governor finally said, okay, we will allow shopping centers to open. We're privately owned, so we were able to make that decision. Okay, we're going to put the necessary measures in place to open back up. And when that happened, the crowds just continued to just grow and grow, and they have not stopped coming. I definitely believe that, you know, having the economy stimulated earlier in the year with, you know, uh, tax money coming back. We've just seen a lot of uh, more shoppers, an increase in traffic, and it hasn't slowed down. And we're just, we just know that we're going to have a great shopping weekend this Friday and Saturday. As retailers brace for a smell or swell of shoppers, swell that is, many still suffer staffing shortages. Most retail quirks are paid at or near minimum wage. And Mississippians who might otherwise hold these jobs continue to hold out in hopes of capitalizing on a white hot labor market. Staffing, I have never seen anything like this before. And it's not just shopping centers. This is everywhere from restaurants to even just like personal businesses. Staffing is a huge issue. And, you know, that's why we have uh, one of the reasons we have the hours, the shopping hours we have in place. We have extended from uh, opening at 10 a.m. to closing at 7 p.m. And we are hoping um, as the year progresses that we are able to possibly extend our shopping hours. But staffing definitely has something to do with that. Don McVeigh is Mississippi State Director for the National Association of Independent Businesses. She says that for most of the businesses she represents, the staffing situation isn't quite so dire, but challenges persist. Things are, we we hear on the ground a little bit improving. Business owners are telling us that they're getting more applications than they were. So that's a good sign. Uh, still trying to find qualified labor is a challenge. So that has been um, something that they're still trying to overcome as they get back open and get back to doing what they do from retailers to restaurants to everywhere in between. And so you've got a lot of folks who had to make different changes throughout COVID, whether it was, you know, we didn't have a ton of huge shutdowns in Mississippi, but there were some restrictions. There were some things that had to be done. And then that kind of created a situation where business owners had to reassess how they operated and the size of their staff and that sort of thing. And now that things are back to business, really, um, you have small business owners who are trying to get back up to full capacity. They're seeing the demand return from the consumer side. And so having uh, a solid workforce is a real important part of part of keeping it going. 
Both McVeigh and Head acknowledged that diminished retail staff may exacerbate issues with long lines and big crowds during the tax holiday weekend. Sweaty throngs of shoppers sardine together are always annoying. In the middle of a COVID-19 spike, they may also be dangerous. As we mentioned earlier, the CDC recently released guidance that all people, vaccinated and unvaccinated, should resume masking in crowded indoor settings. McVeigh and Head expect that some Mississippi businesses will require shoppers to mask up this weekend, but most likely won't. Coming up, a reflection on Bob Moses. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. A few years ago, my colleague Taiwo Gaynor produced a TV documentary on the Mississippi Freedom Summer. Over the course of filming, Taiwo arranged conversations with several of the state's civil rights icons. One interview was especially meaningful. You're up. Hello. Okay. So just kind of tell me who you are, where you originally came from. So um, my name. Bob Moses. Um, I grew up in Harlem, New York City. Bob Moses, who died this past weekend, was a pioneer of racial justice through education. In 1982, with the help of a MacArthur Genius Grant, he established a nonprofit called the Algebra Project. Under his leadership, the organization reimagined math curricula to make algebraic concepts accessible and compelling to young black students. Extraordinarily enough, it was through the Algebra Project more than 20 years ago that Taiwo first encountered Moses. At the time, Taiwo was a teenager in New York. I didn't like trying to learn math the way I was being taught in public school. And so the whole premise of the Algebra Project was to take mathematics and apply it to everyday life in, in teaching math in a different way. A lot of new curriculum have have kind of been developed in the same way that the Algebra Project was developing new ways of understanding math principles. And so that's what Bob was all about. I mean, taking something that was already there and transforming it so that a broader audience can understand it and appreciate it. At what point did Bob start to have an influence on you? It was during one of these workshops in, uh, is that some college in New York? And I walked into another room, you know, one of the break rooms, and there was a guy there doing desktop publishing. He was designing the curriculum books. And I said, I want to do that. And so Bob started, he had the guy start training us, essentially, creating workshops to learn graphic design. And then he invited me over to Mississippi. I was 16, I believe, for a couple of weeks to do a graphic design workshop. I was in Jackson and in the Delta, Indianola. And, you know, this was my first real experience in Mississippi. I'm a kid that grew up in Brooklyn. And, you know, this is my first experience in Mississippi, and it changed my life. That that couple of months turned into well over 20 years. I never went back. After um, I stopped working for the Algebra Project after several years, but I also did a lot of contract work with the Algebra Project along with the Young People's Project. 
So the Young People's Project was an organization that came out of the Algebra Project. It was it was headed up by Omo Moses and Maisha Moses and Taba Moses. These were the, the children of Moses. And this was an organization kind of geared more towards turning youth into facilitators and workshop leaders. So they were training kids to teach other kids, essentially. So I worked with that organization more so than the Algebra Project. And then we, we lost touch for a while. And had a couple other jobs and ultimately came to MPB. And then years later, I produced that Freedom Summer documentary, you know, that featured Bob Moses, Hollis Watkins, all of those civil rights veterans. And what's crazy is I didn't, I knew that Bob did civil rights work. I didn't understand the magnitude of what he actually did in the movement until I did that documentary. It's entirely believable that someone who only knew Bob Moses in his later years would be surprised to learn of his youthful heroics. Moses' demeanor was always understated, even monk-like. His friends remember him as a teacher and an intellectual, but his work with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee leading up to and during the Freedom Summer demanded nerves of absolute steel. In the early 1960s, Moses was subject to frequent violence as he sought to register voters in rural Mississippi. When he was beaten by a white man in Amit County, he fought hard to bring his attacker to justice. The man was eventually acquitted. In 63, Moses was leaving a SNCC meeting in Greenwood with two other voting rights advocates. He recounts what happened next. So Jimmy Travis, myself, and Randolph are in the front seat of one of these SNCC Chevys. A car that has been circling the office follows us and picks us up as we head out on uh, Highway 82. Um, and when we get close to the university, it grease guns us. So a grease gun is like a machine gun, right? It just rips out all the windows, it tattoos across the, the side of the car, and Jim, Jimmy cries out, I'm hit, right? And slumps, right? So I'm sitting in the middle, I hit the brakes, and we go off into the ditch, right? I was floored. That's Taiwo again. That this is the guy that I spent so many years around working one-on-one with designing curriculum books. And, you know, he was essentially, we were essentially roommates for uh, several years when I first got to Mississippi. You know, he's a, he's a family member. I mean, what was really bizarre was, you know, we're, we're working on a new documentary for Mega Evers that's going to be going into production very soon. And I was talking to my aunt on Saturday morning. And I was like, uh, yeah, you know, I want to interview Bob. And I was telling her about, you know, how Bob affected my life, essentially. And she was like, you need to make sure that you interview people like Bob now because they're getting older. And, you know, a lot of these people that were in the movement are, are leaving us. I was like, yeah, you're right. So right after I got off the phone with her, I called him. And when I called him, his wife answered the phone and she was like, he's leaving us right now. It was so surreal. But, you know, I got to give him last words, you know, tell him what he meant to me. 
along with a bunch of other people, there was a big conference call with a bunch of people that I came up with that were expressing, you know, what Bob meant to him. And that was on Saturday you did that? That was on Saturday. He died Sunday morning, as I understand. He died Sunday morning, right. So he couldn't respond, but he could hear. But yeah, he was leaving us. And you told him what he meant to you. I was just like, every bit of who I am is, you know, just be- because of the impact that you, I mean, there was a profound impact that you had on my life, you know, and I, I tried to think of who else outside of my family, my mother and father. There is no other person that I can think of that has had that profound of an impact on my life. I mean, my entire career, my children would not be here. I can't even quantify it, really. It is, you know, an an immeasurable. um, I can't I can't really put that into words what he you know, all I could say was really was thank you. And that, you know, your work will continue on what I did and what everybody who's on this call has is doing. Because it's true, you know, and my my story is is, I think, unique, but it's. It's really not because there are thousands of other young people that had the same exact experience. I'm glad you got to speak to him before he passed away. And I thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your stories about Bob Moses, Tywo Gaynor. Thanks, Tywo. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.